This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions. Because it's time to dish the dirt. On the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Brought to you by Scott's. And good morning, uh, Frank Proctor, the sous chef of the garden, along with Charlie Dobbin, the master gardener, and lots of other names that I can't call her on the air. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> don't say it. <laughs> David Gaskin, our producer, all set to take your calls at 416-360-0740, and then one 740 Our mantra is this. Call once. No, I see. I got thinking about it too much. Call early. Call often. One question per call. And we were just talking about the royal wedding. Yes, briefly. We we touched on that. You sharpy little monarchy uh, person. (laughs) You didn't get up till when they entered the Buckingham Palace. Yeah, I caught them getting out of the coach. (laughs) No, Di and I set the alarm five thirty, and we got up and watched the whole thing. You Uh, and millions of other people. Yeah, yeah. But I went back for to bed for a couple of hours. Oh, I was going to say. So that was my limiting factor. I couldn't go back. To bed, so uh, I I did catch that, and I watched all the important God, replays. It was, it was great. I just, just I thought it was wonderful. Did a good yeah. job. You could tell they practiced. Oh, and you can tell they're a young couple in love. It's not a you know a put up job. Oh, you are just look at the sparkles in your eyes. I You're know. Just, oh. I, she's so beautiful, man. Yes. I'm telling you, her sister's Ooh. very beautiful too. Don't you? Think? I was ooing and on even with Di sitting right there. I, <laughs> wow, what a looker. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Die was hitting you on the side yeah. of the head, I'm sure. Uh, okay, so a couple of quick things to do with gardening. Yes. So obviously that's a nice segue because what do they do in England oh, other garden, than garden? garden. Yeah. Right? And I'd even read that the, some of the tulips along the route were blown past their beautiful point because of the warm weather they've had in England. Oh, really? So yeah. they had to deadhead or remove the flowers on something like 400,000 tulips before the procession. Oh, my gosh. Yep. So it matters. Gardens matter. Yep. Okay. So today, speaking of royalty and gardening, the Royal Botanical Gardens in Burlington, they're having an all-hands-on-deck day. This is the first time an up-close, interactive, and personal look at all things RBG. All hands on deck. Now try and work in that position. (laughs) (laughs) Particularly when it's the personal look at all things RPG. (laughs) So, uh, bottom line, if you're in the Burlington area, Hamilton, Dundas, Take a swing by, because, I mean, RBG is historical. It's beautiful. It's amazing what they've got going on there. But the neat thing is, is today is behind the scenes, mm-hmm. how they do everything. So you're going to be able to talk to experts. They're going to give you all kinds of tips to take home. And if you're interested, you're also going to be able to learn a bit about the ins and outs of how the RBG is run. So uh, they have a pick up. A, there's a taste of the RBG passport that you can pick up at the admission kiosk, and then you get stamps from the different scheduled activities that are going on today, and you can potentially win an overnight stay for two at Langdon Hall Country House Hotel and Spa. Sounds rather nice. How cool Hmm. is that? Uh, That's worth it. 
All right, a couple more things. Tomorrow, mark this on your calendar, the best, the biggest, well, maybe not the best, I might hurt some feelings, but a very, very important plant sale is taking place at the Toronto Botanical Gardens. It's the Ontario Rock Garden and Hardy Plant Society Super Plant Sale. It's from noon until 4 p.m. What's unusual about this is that all the plants are selling, many of them are unusual, mm-hmm. so not to be found anywhere else. Oh, really? All of them are Ontario grown. All of them have been chosen specifically mm-hmm. to be hardy, obviously, in the Ontario climate. So some are very much for rock gardens, but all of them are, are for places in your garden where you have tough spots. They've got the right specimen or the right uh-huh. unusual plant yeah. to thrive in those funny spots that sometimes we have in our gardens. So Toronto Botanical Gardens tomorrow from noon until 4 Check it out. I personally, if it's going to be pouring rain like I think it is, I'm going to be there uh, just because you never know. Yeah. Cool plans. Uh, also put on your schedule for next Saturday, the Agent Court Garden Club is hosting their spring sale. This is from 9 o'clock in the morning until noon. Hundreds of beautiful plants, abandoned treasures, and home baked goods will be available. Knox United Christian Education Center, two seven, sorry, 2575 Midland Avenue, which is Midland and Shepherd. Lots of parking free at the rear of the building. Uh, shout out to our friends in Cannington, who mm-hmm. I went to see last Monday. Friends in Lindsay who had come to Cannington to see me and wished that you were there. They couldn't believe I travel without my sous chef. <laughs> it was so cute. I was like, no, no, Frank actually has a life beyond just the garden show. <laughs> what? I thought, well, I thought Frank would be here. <laughs> hello to all my great fans there in Cannington. Yeah. And, and, and Lindsay. And Oshawa as well. Right. I was out in Oshawa visiting uh, some, uh, some fans as well and doing some garden consulting. So that was, uh, that's fun. We've, we do have a, a good base of, of happy gardeners out that way. Uh, today, after this, I'm off to be a, a luncheon speaker for the Ontario Horticultural Association District 15 AGM in Richmond Hill. Right. So and a uh, shout out as well to the Lindsay Rotary Club. They've got their big uh, garden show. I believe it's called the Kawartha uh, Lake Lakes Home uh, Garden, Home garden Show. Yeah. Today. But it's sponsored tomorrow, by the Rotary all Club. Weekend. Yeah, yeah, very cool. Excellent. All right. Now, gorgeous day. Yeah, oh, Amazing. Best day. Think of all those Saturdays we've been here. Yeah. It's been pouring rain. So today's the day to get out in the garden. So give us a call, get any questions, and then you're ready to go. Absolutely. Back to our callers. We'll be checking in with Virginia right off the top after these words from AM740. Friends say she's down to earth, and that's usually where you'll find her. Welcome back to the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, brought to you by Scott's. Yes, Charlie, there is a Virginia, and she lives in St. Catharines, and she's on the line with us right now. Good morning, Virginia. Good morning, Frank. Morning. Good morning, Charlie. I just want to tell you that Dave's a nice person. Who is? Dave. Dave? Yeah, nice guy. Oh, Gaskin. Oh, our producer. <laughs> yes, your producer. We're well, both looking at each other, Dave. <laughs> you know something we don't know. He's a nice person, according to you, eh? Well, we'll have to investigate that. <laughs> oh, okay. He's always so... Charlie's about Wegla. Mm-hmm. I missed. I think you talked about it a few weeks ago. It's about when to trim it back. Yeah, Wegla. Yes, that's. What, I'm sorry. I no problem. It. It's a well. Some people call it Wegla. Some people call it Wegla. Um, I didn't study enough Latin properly pronunciation <laughs> well, to either. to know exactly. I think it's. I call it Wegla. Bottom line: When do you prune it? Because it flowers early summer. Mm-hmm. It blooms on the new growth that's going to come on it this spring. Yeah. So if you're going to do some pruning, do it now. 
That's what I wondered. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And of course, the pruning you're going to do is to remove any of the branches that are crossing or rubbing against each other or growing to the inside because Wajila tend to get very thick and dense in yes. the center. So you're going to look for anything that's dead, anything that's damaged, anything that's diseased or anything that's growing in the wrong direction. Get it out of there and then prune to, for size. If it's just too big, you can take it back by as much as a third. Oh, okay. All okay. right. All right. Thank you. You're very welcome. Thank you, Virginia. And a uh, nice little compliment Dave's going a Dave's nice way. Guy. Yeah, give us your opinion. She you called think so to or not? tell. Yeah, there was no question, really. She just wanted to say Dave's a nice guy. That's uh, good. All righty. Dave's, Dave's beaming. He likes that. <laughs> <laughs> From the village of Toronto. Here's Bernadette. Hello, mm-hmm. Bernadette. How are you this morning? Good morning, Frank and Charlie. Good morning. I'm, I'm great. Thanks. How are you? Good. Good. On this sunny day, it's great. Yes, it is. Uh, I'm calling about a Diefenbachia mm-hmm. I have. Mm-hmm. I had to uh, cut it off about a year ago because it bent right over. Mm-hmm. So I transplanted part of it. And the original one, the stock on it is very, very thin. It's never thickened out. Mm-hmm. And it won't even stay up. Like I have a stick in it and tied it. Mm-hmm. But it won't stand on its own and it's not thickening. Mm-hmm. Now that one has a trailing vine in it. It was it was given to me as a trailing vine in it as well, and I just wanted to know what to do with it. Okay, so probably it. what's going on the one that's very thin and and soft and falls over without a stick holding it up. Mm-hmm. Two reasons why that happens: Diefenbachia, the, the proper name. The common name is dumb cane because dumb cane. this plant typically has a very solid cane right. uh, and is very strong. And then the shoots or the green leaves will bust through that cane and, and be either popping out the top or pushing out the sides. Right. So when something is very, very soft and keeling over like that, we, we suspect two things. One is, is there any, poss- any way you could move that into a brighter spot in your home, or has it got to be where it is? Um, it's, it's already in a very bright spot. It's in the south window. Oh, okay. So I find that amazing that it's because often when things are soft and, and floppy, it's because of low light. Uh-huh. They tend to stretch and be very um, vigorous. Yeah, well, not so much vigorous, but tend to be not strong as a result of the stretching that they do get, trying to get oh, to the I light. See. Right? Ah, okay. In the light, plants tend to stay more dense and more compact in their growth. Mm-hmm. So, so you tell me it's in a really bright spot. You do turn it every week or so. I uh, do. Okay. And the other thing is water. How often do you water it? Once a week. Okay, so what you need to do is, is it in a very big pot? How big is the pot? Yes, it is. It's in a very big um, earthenware pot. Okay. Okay, so now earthenware or terracotta does dry out faster than plastic, so you will need to water more often with a terracotta or earthenware pot. But this is a plant that does not want to be kept moist at all times. As a matter of fact, they really want to dry out completely between waterings. Okay. So I have a feeling, do you have a moisture meter, one of those little gizmos with a probe on it? No, I don't. Nice thing when you have big pots, because, you know, you can't feel the weight of the pot by lifting it up, and you can't stick your finger down further than about half an inch. But the little probe on the moisture meter will go down a good 8 or 10 inches and tell you what your moisture level levels are down there. Okay. I don't think you need to water as much as once a week. I think you could probably get away with watering about once a month. Oh, okay. But you you may need to water with as much as two or three or four cups of water when you do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the idea is water thoroughly when you water and allow the plant to really dry out between waterings. Okay. Again, you'll find that that's going to help it be a, a stronger, more compact, more dense plant with okay. less watering. 
Um, other than that, I mean, um, so so like your real question is, what can you possibly do to, to you know help it to stand up? Yeah. Um, and really, that's it. Increase light, which you've obviously done, mm-hmm. and be careful on your watering. Uh, fertilizer is going to cause more growth, more top growth, which is going to cause it to be floppier than ever. Right. So I wouldn't necessarily crank a lot of fertilizer on it. I guess the other question is, how, how tall is the plant and, with, and the vine and stuff? It's about, um, I would say, two to three feet two high. Two to three feet, okay. Because sometimes we tend, um, when we're transplanting, to put small plants into pots that are too big. Uh-huh. And the roots on dumb canes or Diefenbachers are never huge. So we can actually have those in quite small pots. And so there might be a little bit of that going on too, that the plant is, is doing a bit of struggling because the pot is so big and the root, roots are so small that they, they are unhappy and just don't really thrive. Okay. So a possibility as well would be to consider potting it down to a smaller size. Okay. 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 And the vine, is it okay to keep it sure, in there? Sure, absolutely. Yeah? Yep. Yeah, I mean, they're both competing for nutrients and water, but they're both, you know, reasonably young. As long as they're reasonably young and vigorous plants and the, the competition is equal, then I wouldn't be at all concerned. Okay. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Bernadette. Thank you very much. Thanks okay. for your call. 9.20. Nice you too. Thank you. Thank at 9.20 the time here at AM 740, Charlie Dobbins Garden Show with yours truly, Frank Proctor, the sous chef. And there's a clue in this little teaser. Uh, our next call uh, coming in from Whitby, Yvonne is rather antsy to talk to you. But first, we have to talk a little bit about some exercising I saw you doing That's over there. That's right, yes. getting ready to get out in the garden. So uh, Sierra Sil is a mineral nutrient that I take mm. to keep my joints limber <laughs> and keep me active. Whether it's digging, which I will be doing today in the garden, uh, walking, you know, shoveling mm-hmm. snow all winter, kickboxing like I know you do on in your spare time. I love saying that. Kickbox. <laughs> Frank doesn't really kickbox. No, I... But you box. Box, yeah. Well, well I'm getting back at it, But yes. kickboxing sounds yeah. better. And, uh, and of course, those guys that they were... They want me at the UFC tonight. That I was going to yeah. say, the UFC, the, all those guys last night, you know they were taking Sierra. So. Oh, gosh, yes. So <laughs> it keeps us <laughs> Active keeps us pain free. If you have any issues with joint pain, osteoarthritis, any of the things that make movement difficult, consider sierrasil.ca or give them a call. 1 877 Joint 14. There are hundreds of sources for tips on gardening, but you need only one. The AM 740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin continues. Brought to you by Scott's. And Dave Gaskin, our producer, lining up the calls like crazy. And if you want to get through in the line, by all means, give a call. Earliest uh, you call, the better. 416-360-0740 for Toronto listeners. And then anywhere else in the province, it is toll-free. 1-866-740-4740. And we welcome Yvonne to the line. Good morning, Yvonne. Good morning. Morning. Hi. I'm Charlie. Yes. Yes, I have a problem with ants mm, outside in, my garden. Or in your garden. Okay, I've had them last year, and we couldn't go out at all because they bite. Oh, oh, it's the red kind. Oh yeah, they're nasty. <laughs> and I went out just a few weeks ago just to see what was popping up, the and ants. they're there again. The ants and we are popping tried up. everything. So you tried all the traditional ant killers. Yeah, yes, all right. Yes. So are they in the garden or in the lawn? No, they're in the garden. In the garden. Yeah. So um, are. Whenever ants start making a hill in my garden, often the plant that is above the hill dies because the roots are exposed to the air because that's what the ants do. They move all the soil and, you know, make up, make a nest below. 
if if I'm really need to get rid of like I want to save that plant and kill the ants, what I'll usually do is pull, like dig the plant out. And, of course, the plant is going to be covered in ants. And if they're, ants are going to bite, then you have a pail handy. You dig the plant out, and you drop the, the plant into the pail. Okay. Then you've got that hole, and, of course, you've got ants scurrying all over in front of you. Uh-huh. Have a kettle of boiling water handy right away and pour that boiling water into that hole that you've just created by removing the plant. Now, <clears throat> will you kill all the ants? No. But will you kill a bunch of them? Yes. Will you tell them this is a bad place to make a nest? <laughs> Absolutely. And what I find is they'll grab the eggs and run. <clears throat> now, oh, good. <clears throat> now, that's the way to, to, to really sort of set up an environment. You might have to do it more than once. Like, yes. You know, don't put that plant back into that hole. Leave that uh, accessible. Dig deeper if necessary. Get more boiling water. I mean, just keep moving that soil around. Keep pouring boiling water in. Make it a really unhappy place for ants to be happy. Okay. Uh, and that will often drive them away and obviously somewhere else, either in your, your yard neighbor. or your yeah. neighbor's. Preferably, oh. you know, off your property is always my, my <laughs> mantra on that. Now, if you really were desperate, you would get, I mean, people have been known to, you know, pour gasoline over, over ants and throw a match, and that really kills them. But it also makes the soil extremely toxic. It's oh. also dangerous. So that's the reason we don't use real poisonous things, right. just straight boiling water, because you do no damage to the soil and you do lots of damage to the ants. Okay. Okay. All right, I'll try that, see if that works. Yeah, yeah let, us, let us know how you do. No, yeah, you want to be able to go out there. It's yeah. a gorgeous day. Get the <laughs> kettles going. <laughs> okay, thank oh. you very much, Yvonne. Thank you very much. All yep. right. Okay, bye-bye. Let us know. Ants bye-bye. in her garden. I okay. will. All righty. Oh, I must have had yep. five or six anthills in my yard yesterday, last year. Yeah, <clears throat> it was a real that's what you did. year of the ant. Well, and the worst thing is if they're under the patio. Yeah, because then you really can't dig them up. I mean, all you they just keep moving the sand out. Of course, yeah. you know, the pa- it feels like the patio is going to start sinking because they're pulling all the so- the sand from below. Oh, ants! I mean, get, love them and hate them. Really? <laughs> well, I don't. if they bite, I don't love them at all. But no, uh, yeah, those red ants—they can really bite. Well, too. yeah, and you know, where I live in Richmond Hill, I've certainly read reports about fire ants, and that's that's the worst. Yeah, they, they're more than just biters; they're they're they attackers. Red on splotches mass. on your arm. Well, they attack as a group. That's the problem. It's not just one ant wandering around that gives you a bite. It's like... The army's coming. Yeah. yeah. It's like they, they send a signal. Oh, there's a foot coming that's going <laughs> to step on us or whatever, right? Really. And they'll all come on at once up your leg. Nature. Wonderful thing, huh? Mm. Hey, Lancaster. Where is the... Is it no, toward the Hamilton area? We'll find out. Lancaster. Lancaster? I don't uh, know. Lancaster is where yeah. Marcia is calling from, <laughs> but uh, let's do a check on, on her location. Hello, Marcia. Hello. Where is Lancaster? Lancaster is in New York State. Oh, New York in State. In the United States. There, there you go. go. We're in western New York, which is about 45 minutes from the Great Niagara Falls. Well, there you are. Thank Boy, you. Boy, pretty place to be today. Yes. What's the problem there in uh, western New York? Well, I have a question about um, Concord grapes. Mm-hmm. And if you could describe a good support system for the grapes. Well, Concords are native grapes to North America. They're mm-hmm. vigorous, as you obviously recognize. Yes. And so a good support system has to be something that's um, long, long-standing, you know, sturdy, and right. very, very strong. Are you trying to grow them on a wall or grow them on a pergola? Where are you trying to grow um, them? Actually, we have a 13-foot long garden. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have uh, the um, garden posts, like you would make raised beds out of. 
Mm-hmm. We have those put vertically into the ground on either end of the garden. Mm-hmm. And between the posts, we've run um, cabling, right. wire cabling. Okay. And we have it at, you know, like a two-foot high level off the ground, again at four feet, and again at six feet. Okay. And um, the garden is in a very wet area. It's, it's a low spot in our yard. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have problems with the posts either moving, mm. which causes the wiring to sag, sure, yeah. or else, um, you know, just from moisture, over a period of years, the posts rot right, exactly. and break off. And how are the and grapes? I'm out there, you know, dancing with the grapes. Oh, <laughs> you know, and holding I them off the ground. Every, you know, like three or four years. So and, t- I, and I was just wondering if you had any suggestions as to how I might... <sighs> Well, your idea of posts and cables is good because okay. honestly, that's how the the vineyards grow grapes. And you know, yep. um, Frank lives in grape country, oh. wine country in Niagara, yeah. in Niagara area. Uh, now, of course, I just wonder how are the grapes doing in this moist spot? Are they thriving? Are the the plants? Yeah, we have we have good grapes. Okay, good. So what I would look at is eliminate the wooden post and turn get yourself something could be a something as simple as rebar, something that will not rot. Rebar. In the, Rebar or yeah, steel. steel post mm-hmm. that can be driven far enough into the ground. Now, that's going to be the other issue is getting down deep enough so that you can hold the weight of the grape right. without the bar moving. Okay. Um, I'm just trying to think if there's, what's kind of the, I mean, the rebar is the stuff they use to solidify what, what we use. Concrete. Concrete, exactly. And it's, it's wonderful stuff. You can drive it in with a proper sledgehammer deep into the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, of course, it comes in all lengths at just your regular home store. Okay. Uh, or or I would even at your local home store ask the advice of somebody there what they would recommend for not, you know, non-rotting solid steel that you can drive into the ground because you need to get it down at least four feet into the ground to be steady and sturdy enough that you okay. can give that height. Above how how many grape vines are we talking here? Um, we have two major vines, uh-huh. and then we have some off-splits, I would say probably seven to nine plants. Mm. Okay. Um, I'm thinking, now this is just off the top of my mm. noggin, which means nothing. Mm-hmm. But uh, if you have, like, a, for instance, a two-by-four mm-hmm. uh, that would take the weight, it would disperse the weight, it wouldn't sink. And then in that two-by-four, you could have, like, doweling put in. Uh, that would uh, be uh, attached to that two by four, so that that weight would be evenly distributed. But are you uh, are you seeing that two by two by four on the ground? Yeah, just laying flat. It's going to rot. It's not going to last longer than two years in the moisture. Even though pressure well, treated, pressure won't treated, last. no, no. Oh well, there goes my idea. Well, I mean, it'll it'll last a little longer than unpressure treated, but it's still only yeah. in a constantly moist area. Yeah, maybe four years. It starts oh, yeah. to get all mushy. It just doesn't work. I mean, that's why when we put in fence posts, uh, you know, here in the yeah. southern Ontario. It, concrete is always part of it, and it's very important that the wood is not in contact with the soil. And they have Otherwise, creosote that they put around it too. Not anymore. Yeah. Used to. Oh, you're thinking of the old railroad ties That's days. That's right. No yeah. more. No, no more. It's, oh. it's very you toxic. Set those posts in concrete. You could. There, well, that's, that's the other a, thing yeah. is, you know, and uh, you know, getting a proper auger or a post hole digger. Okay. Then you put one of those sleeves down into the the post hole that you've dug. Mm-hmm. Mix up your concrete. Put your concrete into the sleeve, have your post all ready to go, and of course the post goes into the moist concrete and is held steady until everything is, is perfectly set. Okay. No cabling until you know, you know, a good couple of days has gone by, dry days for the concrete to set and cure. And of course the concrete needs to 
protrude above the soil so that the soil is not over top of the concrete. The concrete is above the soil, okay. preferably in a bit of a dome shape so okay. that water will wash away from the wooden post down to the soil. Okay. Okay, yeah, so that's the main thing. Just look for ways to, to make sure that there's no water or wet soil in contact with the wood. And certainly right, wood yeah. would look better than the steel. But, uh, but your idea, I think, is great with the cabling. Okay, question about how far should I be spacing the posts? Oh, they should be about every six feet apart, I'd say. Six feet. Yeah, with that much scrape. Okay. Yeah. Very good. Thank hey, you thank you. very for... much for your help. Thanks You're so much welcome. for your call. Lancaster. Always happy to How hear. about that? That's, well, we look forward to more calls from Lancaster. Uh, the, across the county. The pond there, across <laughs> the, the big pond, river. The, river, <laughs> the lake. <laughs> hey, Doris, how are you this morning Hi. in Mississauga? Hi. Hi. Morning. Morning. Uh, my problem is I have a, uh, put in two hydrangeas last uh, summer. Mm-hmm. Now, one uh, is fine, and but the other one is a problem. I think mm-hmm. I they had hydro had to dig up my backyard last year and they had to, they dug up towards the hydrangea plants. Mm-hmm. Now one is is okay, mm-hmm. but the other one is co- now covered with a board that they've put over until all this wet weather goes away and they come back and fix up my backyard. Mm-hmm. But that plant looks like it could be dying. I'm <laughs> not sure because the the branches that were on it are all spread out and there are some little buds on it the same as the one that is okay so so they've lifted the hydrangea up out of the soil and it's sitting above ground right now no it's still in the ground no it's still in the ground um, so but what? This, this board is right on top of it okay so and does the board have to be on top of it well yes because they dug up all underneath where these boards are and they want it to settle so that they can come back and fix our backyard. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. Because that's exactly it. The the soil will settle back in, so you're going to have a real dipsy-doodle. Okay, two options. Option number one is you take the board off and just remember to not walk in that area because it's going to be soft soil. Cut back the hydrangea to the buds that you speak of. and uh, They're right up to almost to the top of, of the... Uh, Oh, so the plant has buds all along the stems? Yes. Okay, but uh, nevertheless, it's like you said, it's had this board on it, so it's splayed down flat to the ground. Okay. So if you leave it alone, if you just took the board off, you would probably find that the buds will start to grow and little stems will start to grow off each of those buds. Okay. So it's going to be the strangest looking plant. It's going to be flat branches on the ground with a bunch of straight stems (laughs) going straight up from those little green buds. So that's why I would remove the board and cut it back to the crown, crown. uh, the crown being the center of the plant. So what you're going to do is cut it back to either the first set of buds close to the center or the second set of buds from the center. And everything else will be removed. You'll allow the sun to, to beat down onto that plant and allow it to start growing. But if it's part of that area that was all excavated and is now, you know, doing this kind of settling back in thing, the other option would be to actually dig that plant up, get it out of that area. Even if you put it in a pot for now, just as a holding spot, let it grow in the pot, just like it would grow in the nursery right now. If you were going to buy one, you'd buy it in a pot mm-hmm. in the garden center. Mm-hmm. Um, do that. Run your own little garden center with that one little potted hydrangea until hydro is finished with your back garden and has got that soil back at the right you know grade that it's supposed to be and obviously hopefully they kept the topsoil and put that on top and the topsoil didn't go at the bottom with all the horrible subsoil on the top 
and uh, and then you'll just at that point put the hydrangea back in its permanent spot or come up with a new spot for it if that's going to take too long and just take it out of that spot now get it into a different spot where it's going to get half day sun and half day shade Okay, and the uh, the uh, one that is growing fine, mm-hmm. uh, will I cut that one back as well? I would. All the hydrangeas, the yeah, the, the hydrangeas, I'm assuming we're talking the mop head or the ball flowering type hydrangeas. Yes. All of them do better through the growing season. So I mean, you know, June, July, August, September, if we cut them back in April and May okay. to at least four inches. Okay. Okay, if you leave them alone, even though they look really good, they got all this green growth, they are just going to be very floppy, and that's why they're called mop heads. You'll be mopping <laughs> the floor with those flowers if you allow those those stems to remain. It's okay. always better to prune them back. They'll be better-looking plants, and the flowers will be above ground. Okay, that's okay? great. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Thank you, Doris, for Thank joining you. us here in the Garden Show, AM 740. Charlie Dobbin on the air, and... That was a good visual. Yeah. The, the hydra- I don't know about what to do my hydrangea. It's got a board on top of it. Well, you almost went off the chair there. Whether it's going to grow. It's like, it's like okay, so well, there's why, a... Why, why is it board? Yeah. Why would the board be on top of it? Till we got the full story. Yeah. It didn't quite make sense. Well, now, let's see what's cooking with Sophie in Hamilton. Hi, Sophie. Good morning. Good morning, Charlie and Frank. Good morning. Um, I have a question uh, regarding peonies, Charlie. Yes. Uh, they're beautiful, mm. large, heavy, white with a splash of pink, mm-hmm. and I need to transplant them. Mm. Can I transplant them at this time of year? Can you wait till the fall? <sighs> that, that's why I'm calling because I cannot. Well, then I guess you don't have an option. <laughs> okay, the would they best, do well? They probably won't. They may not flower this year because of the shock of this transplanting in the spring. Uh huh. But that doesn't mean that they're going to die or anything. It just means you, you're likely to miss flowers this year. Okay. Uh, the best time to transplant peonies is always in the fall in order to not miss the spring flowers. I see. Okay. Okay. My other problem with them is that um, they are large, they are heavy, mm. and when it rains, I lose a lot of the, the flower. No. Uh, stems break. Um, yeah. Uh, what can I use to support them? Well, there's a lot of different supports out there for peonies. The sort of traditional being the peony ring. The uh-huh. problem with I find with peony rings, it's it's like a big tomato cage, yeah. basically. Yeah. So the peony grows up through the center, and they get these big monster buds, and then the big monster buds open up, and they're monster flowers. Yes. And guaranteed, as soon as that happens, we get a major rainfall and windstorm, yes. which then... <laughs> they flop over. They flop over. Yes. Well, of course, the ring is supposed to hold them up. Well, what happens is, is the flowers keel down over the edge of the ring. Yes, it bends. So they don't hit the ground, but they still don't look very good. Good, right? right. It's a challenge. Peonies can be a real challenge. I think the best ring I've ever seen was one that's almost like looked like a big barbecue grate. So, oh, okay. so your your peony stems grow up through these these uh, the wire divisions. And so instead of this monster ring, they're held up more individually and the height being important as well. So just keep in mind that when your peonies need to be in as much sun as you can possibly give them. So minimum six hours, preferably more Uh of sunlight every day. That will help keep them smaller. Uh If they're in a bit of shade, they're going to get taller and and be floppier. So full sun keeps your peonies smaller. Don't fertilize them, and particularly with this whole transplanting you're doing, no fertilizer, just some bone meal when you're replanting. I need some bone meal. Okay, okay. and when you lift them, uh, notice the height that the, it, it's like a big hand or fingers, I mean, it's a real leathery, tuberous thing that peonies grow out of. So when you lift, remember, you're going to try and, and move that over into a lovely sunny 
organic, well-drained soil and plant it slightly higher than it came out of the ground because mm-hmm. it's going to sink. Mm-hmm. It's very important. Peonies are not planted too deep. Mm-hmm. If they're too deep, they never flower. Oh, okay. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay. You're very welcome. your help. Good luck with that. Thank you. 942 Bye. here on The Garden Show with Jerry Dobbin, who loves to use the term dipsy doodle. I like that little dipsy doodle. <laughs> no, okay. It's We're left gonna... over from dipsy do yeah. in the hair days. You I know? guess so, yeah. 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 Remember? A little dabble do you. Exactly. No, that was real great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> We're going to take just a smidge of a break here and then come back and have a word with John in Mississauga here on The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin from AM740. Supply the what and where, and she'll come through with the how. You're listening to the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, brought to you by Scott's. The only thing she can't control is the wind. That's up to you, basically. Uh, 945 here <laughs> with Charlie Dobbin of the Garden Show. And uh, boy, driving around the Niagara area now, the fruit trees are all coming into blossom. They're mm. starting now, and it's gorgeous. So uh, pretty. John in Mississauga wants to produce, I think, some wonderful mm. blossoms. Let's find out what's going on with his fruit trees. Good morning, John. Good morning. Good morning, gentlemen, and uh, Charlie. Good morning. Um, yeah, I, I have 10 fruit trees, Charlie, mm-hmm. and uh, I've had them for years, you know, and uh, they always gave me good fruit mm-hmm. until, uh, you know, in the last couple of years when uh, the authorities, so to speak, uh, they stopped us from using uh, spray, pesticide, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Now, um, my question is this, Charlie, please. What can I use? I, I already sprayed with dormant oil and lime sulfur. Good. But what can I use now to, uh, you know... Uh, are yours starting to show any... Are the buds starting to swell, but there's still no flowers or leaves, right? Well, um, I... <laughs> Because of the weather, I haven't been out there. Right. Um, but, yes, I think there are some... They're all live. Uh-huh. Um, you know, um, but uh, I think it's time to do the next spray. You know what? Uh, you, well, you're absolutely right. Back in the day when we could use fruit tree spray, yes. which was made with originally, you know, captan, and then eventually it was dimethoate, and these were are chemicals that are no longer allowed to be used by homeowners. Uh, that's going to be your challenge. I would dormant spray again today if you can, because dormant spray is great. It's the oil and the lime sulfur will eliminate or, you know, certainly short, lower the population of overwintering insects and diseases on dormant plants. Mm-hmm. Uh, having done it once is great, but I would do it again, and I would do it today if you can, just because it's going to rain the next couple of days. Yeah. Um, after that, yes, you your things you can use are very, very limited. We have insecticidal sprays that we can use when we see insects, but so much of what goes on in fruit trees is things like apple scab and, oh, yeah. and things that happen as a result of weather conditions and are often fungal-based. You do have straight sulfur that you can use in a spray form. You also have, I believe, Bordeaux mixture, which is copper sulfate that you can use. What's uh, the name of it again, Charlie? Please, I'm writing it down. Bordeaux, B as in Bob. Oh, it's like wine? Uh, except it's spelled O-R-D as in dog O. So Bordeaux as opposed to Bordeaux, France. Okay, okay. But it comes from Bordeaux, France. It's the original fungicide that was was invented back in Bordeaux for the grapes to uh-huh. control all the powdery mildew and downy mildew on grapes. So it's copper sulfate. It is sold in a powdered form. You mix with water, you spray. You follow the instructions very closely. Yeah, yeah. When it comes to fruit trees, we can control the insects when, we, when they're on the mm-hmm. surface. Soap will kill them. Pyrethrins will kill them. The oil initially does a good job. 
But fungal diseases are something else again. And what you have to do is monitor the weather. When we have rain coming, uh-huh. you must have your, have your fungicides on your fruit trees in preparation for the coming rain. If we have rain day after day after day, you have to spray day after day after day and keep that fungicide on the plants to try and control the germination or the, yeah, the germination really of the fungal spores. Mm-hmm. They're just like little living entities that if the, the, the fungicide can control those fungal spores from spreading and from fruiting and going to their next level. Uh-huh. But as soon as the rain washes all the fungicide off, now those little fungal spores go crazy. Comes so, back. That's right. So you, well, it just they're there and they'll start growing. So your job as a fruit tree grower is to stay right on top of of the fungal diseases with the fungicides when it rains. Yeah. When there's no rain in the forecast, you can sit back and mix yourself a martini because there's nothing <laughs> nothing bad's going to happen. Uh-huh. But when it rains a lot, we've got high humidity, we have the conditions for fungal diseases to th- really thrive. And is Bordeaux fungicide? Yes, it is. Oh, okay. Copper okay. sulfate. Bordeaux fungicide. Yeah. I'm, I'm writing this down. No, uh, for sure. Down, you know, Write so. it down or straight garden sulfur, which is just sulfur without the copper. Oh, oh so in other words, I can use sulfur only. Yes. You know, um, Even your lime you, sulfur. I, was, uh, I don't know if I'm going to be too long, but I was in Australia mm-hmm. uh, 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 in April and uh, no, actually in, in February, April, March. Mm-hmm. And uh, my cousin who has a big property and he has fruities. He told me about this mixture, and I don't know if you, you, you know, um, it's garlic, mm-hmm. um, a little bit of soap, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and oil. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you mix it, sort of, you know, you blend it, yep. and you put a couple liters of oil. What do you think about that? Okay, it, uh, the theory on that is everything you've mentioned, garlic, soap, and oil, all of those things together are being used to control insects. And they will. Yeah. Garlic. But not fungus. No, not fungus. As a matter of fact, soap often feeds fungus. Some fungus thrives in the presence of soap. Oh, oh. So good, that... Good thing I asked you. Yeah, so go to your... You know in your dormant spray kit, you've got oil and lime sulfur. Read what it says on, on the lime sulfur container, and it'll make some suggestions for using straight lime sulfur on your fruit trees during the growing season uh-huh. without using the oil. Uh-huh. The oil is very much used on dormant plants uh-huh. or used very much diluted on green plants. And, of course, the real magical, important thing to remember in all this is we don't spray our fruit trees at all when they're blooming. No, no, no spray, no, not even soap. That, that I know. Yeah, that I know. that's act totally against the law, right? Yeah, yeah. So, because we do not want to kill bees. That's yeah. the whole thing. Yeah, with, the with whole the, deal there. John, <clears throat> thank you very much. I jo- oh, that. just before I go, John. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah hold on for a second. Yeah. Do you have a computer at home? Yes, I do. Okay, uh, go to uh, www.am740.ca, yeah. and then on the main page, when you get to the home page, it'll say, listen to our podcasts, yeah. and then... You can do that, and you can hear any of the garden shows that have been on. And so you don't have to, as you're scurrying around this morning trying to write everything down, you can just re-listen yeah. to the show, okay? Oh, fantastic. So this show will be up uh, starting, I believe, on Thursday. Right. Next Thursday. It takes oh, a couple oh, of days. All right. Yep, okay. So you can always Thank listen back much. if you miss something. Thank you. You're welcome. Good Take enough. Care. Thank you very much. And thank you, Charlie, for once again being in such fine fettle this morning. Fettle. I knew you were going to say that. uh, Did you really? Yeah, and that was really good. You, that was sharp, that podcast thinking. Yeah, well... You know, it's it's a you can all it's many magical. shows, many many shows that are have been aired. You can re-listen to them. Okay, you want to hear something funny? This has nothing to do with Sierra. <laughs> oh, I laughed so. before I heard it. <laughs>
I was talking to a young person, actually a young person who works at our station, and I mentioned something about podcasts and that, you know, you can always yeah, yeah. listen to our show. If you miss it, yeah. listen to it in a podcast. She goes, but I don't have any of that iPod stuff or, or, or Mac stuff. I, I'm not, I'm not into, into any of the pod stuff. And I looked at her and I go, you don't have, you, podcasts aren't just for iPods. She goes, they aren't? <laughs> and I'm talking Didn't a tw- you feel tuned in, 20-year-old. Huh? Right? I'm not talking like somebody who's out of the loop. Oh, Charlie, you're so, with it. Well, I was surprised how unwith <laughs> it she was. Anyway, bottom line is, yes, you, just to be clear, the term podcast is not only for iPods and pod-based machinery. You can listen to a podcast on your any computer whatsoever and any, uh, you know, smartphone and uh, and all that kind of stuff. Okay. Very good. So, uh, and while we're doing that, of course, we're working out, we're keeping limber, we're getting ready to get in the garden, we're following our chiropractic rules about stretching and, and you know, don't want to hurt ourselves when we're out suddenly bending and lifting today. If you have any pain whatsoever, try and avoid that pain. Use a product like Sierra Sil. Keep your, your joints limber and pain-free. Sierra Sil, just like the mountains, and then sil.ca, or give them a call. one joint 14 Friends say she's down to earth, and that's usually where you'll find her. Welcome back to the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, brought to you by Scott's. And uh, Dave Gaskin, our uh, producer, uh, had a call and a very, uh, very good, informative call, too, about the... Oh, uh, good reminder. Yeah, good reminder yeah. for folks who are maybe planning on using that uh, method of driving the uh, spikes of the big uh, rebars into the ground. Or doing any digging. Yeah. Careful, there might be underground Anything. Uh, pipes there yeah. or wire, wiring, hydro, whatever. So call before you dig, and the number is one 800 400 2255. That's Anywhere one, in Ontario. Right, you are. 1-800-400-2255. And since that call was from Lancaster, well, uh, Western York use. won't be. Yeah, but they'll have a number for you. They just look but it up. The call before you dig one number is cool because that's everything. That's yep. gas, cable, hydro, exactly. phone. You know, it's just one call. Now, who knows? John in Brampton might have an idea about this. I see, according to my uh, monitor here, insight about anchoring grapes. Let's find out what's going on there. Hi, John. Good morning. Good morning. Morning. Charlie, I have a bad experience with uh, having that uh, wooden, uh, those posts in the concrete anchor because right when they are joining that, they are rotting off after a certain number of years. So I would have uh, solved that problem differently. I would buy the round uh, fence post, uh, if you remember when they were building more, uh, those uh, link chain fences. Yes, chain link. Yep. Round tubing, which yep. is uh, thin coated. Mm-hmm. It will not rust. I would drive it right straight to the ground mm-hmm. and it will hold. And they could also drill the holes there for the wires, which they could pull through and support those wine uh, shoots out to the Excellent. horizontal. Right. Way. Good, good idea. And grapes are heavy, like you say, and you and that system of cabling is really putting a lot of yep. stress and strain on those posts. So, and if uh, in the worst case they would be tilting under the weight, there mm-hmm. is always way to anchor them right. with that forty-five degree, some kind of wire. Like when people go to camping, they bring right. out yeah. the line from the tents and so on, and, and they would reinforce that. Well, those big radio antennas yeah. in the ground will mm-hmm. never rust it off or right. not so fast and it will be uh, much less uh, labor-consuming this way. That's right, and that's what we always look for, right? Ways to make... Do it once. Don't keep redoing the same <laughs> yeah, job. Right. Hey, John, thanks, <laughs> thanks for that John. call. 
And uh, that that's very, very good. And I hope that um, Marcia is still listening. She was the caller from Lancaster who yes. asked the initial question. So as John said, he had bad experience. That the, the water collected at the base of the wooden posts that were in concrete, and they rotted eventually. And yeah. we do see that. We see that with fence posts all the time. That's why I mentioned you really want to make sure that you shape the concrete so that you've got the water sloughing away from the post as opposed to into the center, down, and causing the, the huge problem with uh, frost and freeze and cracking and ultimately rotting. Yeah. Well, you know something? Uh, we haven't time for another caller, unfortunately. That's that's why we always say our little mantra, call early, call often, one question per call. So, but we uh, had some great calls yeah, today. Yeah, it's really been an interesting show, and I People thank are, all the listeners for yeah, kind of getting involved there. Absolutely. I love questions, and I love suggestions on yeah. other ways to answer a question. So, you know, special thanks to, to John for just giving us his insight on having the same kind of issue with the grapes. Exactly. Now, what's coming up for you this week? Well, as I mentioned, after the show, yep. I'm up to Richmond Hill oh, yeah. to be a keynote luncheon speaker for the Ontario Horticultural Association District 15 AGM. And um, this coming week is my, well, starting tomorrow is my mother's birthday month because, you know, my mom doesn't just have a birthday oh, she day. she wants to celebrate she all my life. pretty much <laughs> takes over the entire month. So yeah. we'll be starting celebrations for my mother this week, which uh, tend to go on for quite a while. Dolly. <laughs> Dolly, yeah. exactly. So, yeah, so a big happy birthday to, to Dolly, who I know is listening, and I'll be seeing her later on this week, and I'll hopefully be in the garden tomorrow if it's not pouring rain. Okay, and a belated happy birthday to my son, my youngest guy, who turned 37, Toby, last Sunday. Aww, but we had a good time. Sweet. Yeah. And you've got a good show coming up? We do. Lots of guests, lots of music, and just general fun. Always. You know? Yeah. Thanks so much, Frank. You are the best, Sue Thank you, David. And thank you, David. Thanks to the callers. See you next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.